Good morning. Good seeing everybody. We'll be turning to Genesis 46. <clears throat> I got an email from Brother Rick Warder this morning. He's coming back from Colorado. They took the week off to go visit family and their children up there. And uh, he got real sick on the way back. And sick enough, he wasn't able to have services this morning. And, uh, so he had sent out the link, the Zoom link to uh, John's services there at Rescue. And John couldn't have services Friday. He was so sick. And so I hope, <laughs> Lord's pleased to have him able to preach this morning. They may all be tuning in to us. I don't know. I pray so. Uh, I want to send you greetings from Australia. I was in contact with them brethren down there. And they wanted to make sure that I told you that they loved you and they prayed for you. And uh, send their greetings. And then we got some honor roll students in this room. Uh, the youngest one has done well, and the principal at the school knows him and knows us. And the older ones have done well, and the people at the high school know them and know us. And I know another lady that's got straight A's through graduate school. That's, that's good light in the community, isn't it? It's good. It's a good example. I'm thankful for that. Commitment. Work as unto the Lord. I want to read you an article. I don't do this often. I know it's common practice in a lot of places, but I want to read you an article. It blessed me, my brother Mahan. I hope it's an encouragement to you. He says, we see so little true commitment, so much indifference, and so few dedicated people in today's religious world that we may be prone to accept this attitude as normal. But that is not so. David wrote in Psalm 147, 18, he said, He sendeth out his word and melted them. God melted them. He said, and Paul wrote in Romans 8, 6, he says, To be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. There's going to be life there, and there's going to be peace there. Not indifference. If God is pleased to move in love and grace upon a person, one at a time, the very life of Christ is formed in them, and unbelief is driven out by God-given faith. That's why I wrote that article, uh, What Needs Help? Uh, if God gave us faith in Christ, that don't need polished up or, or spoofed up or anything. We want more of it. But the desire of a child of God is to have that unbelief that's mine driven out. Unbelief's driven out by God given faith. Indifference departs at the revelation of God's glory in the face of Jesus Christ. Ignorance, it vanishes as Christ is revealed in his work of redemption, as just and justifier. We stop being ignorant of everything. We learn who he is. Self pride disappears before his grace and mercy. We stop being so puffed up and thinking what we did. And I, 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 and we look to him. Self-righteousness has not the slightest claim in the light of his perfect obedience. What do we do better than he did for us? Nothing. We know better than that. Self-love takes an awful beating in the light of his love for us. He writes, no, it would be impossible for a true child of his great invincible grace to be indifferent or uncommitted after the melting of his word and the revelation of his love. It's impossible. 
impossible. I think of the charge of those two angels sent in the Sodom and Gomorrah. Bring out four people. <laughs> what an amazing, that's two each. <laughs> what an amazing mission the Lord sent them on. What a privilege it is. I titled this message here in Genesis 46. This is about one that got melted. A seven-verse journey. We have this long journey that Jacob and all his household, 70 of them, is going to take with a bunch of things with them. Long, a long way. But it's recorded as only seven verses. It says in Genesis 46, verse 1, And Israel took his journey with all that he had and came to Beersheba and offered sacrifices unto the God of his father, Isaac. It says there, Israel. Israel took his journey. The Lord's about to call him Jacob. He has two names. He's Israel. And he's Jacob. And that never stops on this earth. While we're in this flesh, we're in this flesh. And there's, there's two people inside of the God's people, inside of his true Israel. Uh, there's an old man and a new man. And, and people that, every true believer enters into that. They get it. I can't explain it to somebody that's only got one nature, and they'll argue with you about it. But if you got two, you'll believe there's two. <laughs> you won't believe that until you have two of them. But there's two natures, and every true Jacob knows this. And every Israel is a Jacob. Everybody's sinners. But those that they reveal that they are a Jacob, that's the Israel, and Israel, are, all of them are true Jacobs. They are. But he took this journey. With all that he had. He was old, too, at this time. He's about 130 years old. He was going to go on this very long journey to go see the sun. I can't do that. No, you can't. <laughs> Jacob's, that's too far. Yeah, it is too far. You can't do it. Well, how is he going to get there? Look back just a little bit. This is all one paragraph from chapter 45, verse 25, down through verse 7, what we'll look at today. But there in Genesis 45, 25, and they, they went up out of Egypt and came into the land of Canaan unto Jacob their father and told him, saying, Joseph is yet alive, and he's the governor over all the land of Egypt. And Jacob's heart fainted, for he believed them not. And then they told him all the words of Joseph. They didn't tell him some of it. They didn't just bring dessert twice a year. They told him everything. That's their charge, wasn't it? All the words of Joseph which he had said unto them, and when he saw the wagons which Joseph had sent to carry him. How's he going to get that whole way to Joseph? Joseph provided wagons to bring him. That's generous, isn't it? Would, we, would you disrespect those wagons? Would you go put graffiti on them or make fun of them? No, you, if you see him sit for you, get in a wagon. <laughs> get in wagons, boy. Girls, let's go. He, Joseph said, sent to carry him, the spirit of Jacob, their father, revived. And Israel said, it's enough. It's enough. We remember Joseph's picture of Christ and all this, right? We're not learning about family history between Jacob and Joseph. Joseph, my son, is yet alive. I will go and see him before I die. How? You're going to be carrying those wagons, ain't you? He didn't have to know the way. He didn't have to drive. He didn't have to navigate. He just rode. He just sat still 
and waited on his Lord to bring him at six miles an hour or whatever that is. Something was happening, right? He was just meditating underneath a tree somewhere, humming. From Beersheba, I looked to Cairo. I didn't know where in Egypt they was, but that's a 12-hour bus ride right now on paved roads doing the speed limit. This was a long journey. This was a hard journey. And let me tell you something. It was worth it. The journey through God's providence to bring his child by his wagons to himself, it's hard. It's hard to, to I'm getting ahead of myself, to sell off everything you've got and go to where God put you and go, go forsake everything you have and go be where the gospel is. That's hard, but Christ is worth it. And, and the people can fight me tooth and toenail saying I ought not say that. I'm going to. <laughs> so, he is. He is. All it's recorded is seven verses. That ain't, don't give us much detail, does it? I just thought of, of, of women and childbirth. Sometimes that labor takes days. <laughs> There's a whole lot you can talk about. You can spend a week talking about them two days. But when that life comes, that's, yeah, it was a 42 hours of labor. That pain and that, that's uh, worth it. Verse 1 of chapter 46. And Israel took his journey with all that he had and came to Beersheba and offered sacrifices unto God of his father Isaac. He took all that he had. Took all that he had. We got, Joseph gave them instruction a couple of times the trip before this one. In Genesis 42, verse 20, he says, Also regard not your stuff, for the good of all the land of Egypt is yours, and the children of Israel did so. Don't, don't regard your stuff. Don't worry about it. What did Jacob have? <laughs> Everything that Joseph had provided, didn't he? What do we have? All that Christ has provided. Everything we need. Everything. And it's his, not ours. Everything I have is his. I got these glasses. This is the Lord's glasses. I got eyes to look through his glasses. It's his eyes. I'm not my own. I'm bought with price. But Jacob brought everything he had. He took all that he had. What's that mean? All his might. He's going to take some stuff from Canaan. That's a good illustration for us too, but with everything in him, the whole of him, he put a shoulder to it. He didn't put his lip service to it. He did it. He didn't. That's what Paul went through all that instruction. He said, here's how you love and do this and do that. And he said, now do it. <laughs> Don't just sit around and talk about what love is. Love. Don't talk about meeting with God's saints. Meet with them. Don't talk about what you used to do. Do. I thought also those wagons. That came. That's my thoughts. I wonder if it was yellow. They might have Penske on the side of them. Maybe it was orange, said you all. If it didn't fit in the wagon, leave it. Sell it. Burn it. Give it away. <laughs> you live that? If it don't fit in that truck, it ain't coming. We're going where the Lord's going to put us. We're going to go see Christ. We're going to go have a nation built. Go watch his nation be added to him. We're going to go see the sun. What's that worth? A recliner? <laughs> a precious couch? Oh, he's worth it all. And Jacob came to Beersheba. Do you remember what Beersheba was? The name of that's a well of an oath. They drew water out of it, but it was called the well of an oath. Beersheba. Christ is the water of life, isn't he? 
And he's the well. He's what the water comes from. And he's the aquifer underneath. But he met a lot of his people at wells, didn't he? Isaac was a well digger. And there was that Samaritan woman at a well. And there were some other people at wells. And, and all these sons of Jacob, a lot of them met their wives at wells, didn't they? Lord met with them. He met with his people at wells. Do you get that? The place where that water comes forth is where he meets with his people. There, there's a, a Bur Hamul. There's a well in Hamul. Did you know that? Thirsty people will come to it. Thirsty people will drink often. As often as that caps off that well. Where the Lord provided these unseen waters, that's where Jacob went to. Where the Lord had been before and where he had promised to be. And he offered sacrifices unto God. He offered praise to God. He went to Beersheba and he offered praise to God. That's what we read over in Hebrews 13. It says, for here we have no continuing city, but we seek one to come. We have no place to live right now. I live here. I'm going to try to get along as good as I can and in school, try to do the best grades you can. But we're looking to a city that's whose maker's God, isn't it? By him, therefore, let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God continually. What's that? What's that sacrifice of praise? That is, he says in Hebrews 13, 15, the fruit of our lips giving thanks to his name, thanking God, thanking him. What he sacrifice of our lips? Thank him. That's a good thing. Thank him. But to do good and communicate, forget not, for with such sacrifices, God is well pleased. We'll touch on that next hour, what God's pleased in. People say, well, God, God's happy with that. You better, be, better know before you say that. Somebody might believe you. Uh, God's pleased with thanksgiving that's what it says here some other things too but he's pleased with thanksgiving jacob was thanking god that's a good thing to do before we set out on a journey what journey any journey thank him not instruct him thank him what journey could that also be coming to this well do we pray for People throughout the world in this generality isn't that the blessings from heaven pour out in a bucket load on top of their hearts and their heads and this nonsense that goes on. No, God be with us this morning. You promised to be here with us. Give me ears to hear. Prepare my heart. Let, get me there early so I can sit down and my heart rate can lower down and I can stop talking to everybody about all the things that happened this week and I can start asking God to open my ears up so maybe he'll bless me and grow me in grace. Go to him and thank him. You blessed me before, Lord. I'm going to thank you now. I trust you'll do it today. Bless my heart. Bless that preacher that's preaching to me. Pray for that one you gave me as an ascension gift. Wherever, whoever's listening, you folks here pray for me. I have a message for you. It's self-serving and that's good. It gives me a message for you. It's a good thing to go to the Lord and thank him before we even start out on something. We have a lot to be thankful for. I have never read in this Bible about traveling mercies. I ain't read about it. I've read about thanking the Lord. I've, I've read about wanting to be where Christ is. I read about wanting his will to be done. You sick? Thank him. Well, I pray that this cancer is I pray this cancer accomplishes what God sent it to accomplish, and I see Christ at the end of it. That's a good thing. Lord, your will be done. Glorify your name. That's sacrifice of the lips of thanksgiving, isn't it? 
At least that's what God's words are. But grandma and grandpa, that's the traditions of men taught to you by your fathers. Turn from that and turn to Christ. How are we going to know that? God's going to send somebody to tell you. <laughs> that's what he says. I'll just tell you what he says. Turn, this will be good. Let's turn over there. The sacrifice of thanksgiving. That's remembering his word and then thanking him for it. Psalm 91. Let's turn over. Psalm 91. Well, how am I going to get from point A to point B, Pastor? I'll show you. Thank God first. Psalm 91, verse 11. And if you got you a highlighter, I'll tell you which word I got highlighted in mine. Psalm 91, 11. Speaking of the Lord, for he shall. Now, see, he might if you do your end of it. If I tell him what bucket to get the mercies out of. No, he shall give his angels charge over thee to keep thee in all thy ways. Now, I want you to remember his word before you go on a journey or you go to church, you go to grocery store. For God's people, he shall. Give his angels charge over thee to keep thee in all thy ways. What's your response to that? I'll tell you what mine is. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. You have been good to us. You are good to us. You shall be good to us. Underline that. Highlight it. Turn over a little bit more. Psalm 121. Psalm 121. And this is talking about going to where Christ is. It, uh, this, this song continues as a medley into Psalm 122. It says, I was glad when they said to me, let's go to the house of the Lord. <laughs> Psalm 121, verse 7. The Lord shall preserve thee from all evil. Why has this evil come upon me? Well, it may be around you, but it ain't going to do nothing to you. The Lord shall preserve you from all evil. He shall pre preserve thy soul. He's going to preserve my soul. I, I, I thank you very much. <laughs> That's something to be very thankful over, isn't it? And if he'll do that, if he'll send his son to preserve our souls, to give us one and keep it forever, if he'll do that, look at verse 8. The Lord shall preserve thy going out and thy coming in, whether you're coming or going. That's what we call it nowadays. That boy was confused, coming and going. <laughs> The Lord shall preserve thy going out and thy coming in. You coming and going. When? When I ask him? When I command him? When I petition him? No. From this time forth, even forevermore. All the time. What's our response to that? Thank you. Teach us to pray, Lord. Step one. Thank you. <laughs> Sacrifice of the lips. I wish God teach us something. I wish he'd grow us and make us strong in his faith. And be examples to other believers. I pray to do that for me. I pray to do that for you. He has and I thank him. And I want him to grow me more. <laughs> Back in our text. What did Jacob? What happened when Jacob went to worship God and he thanked him and he asked him for guidance? You know what happened? God spoke to him. God spoke to him. Here in Genesis 46, we'll look at verse 1 again. And Israel took his journey with all that he had. And came to Beersheba and offered sacrifices unto God of his unto the God of his father Isaac. And God spake unto Israel in the visions of the night, and said, Jacob, Jacob. 
And he said, here am I. He calls him Jacob twice. Didn't it say Israel went down? Yes. Did God call him Jacob? Yes. Who named him Israel? God did. And God called him Jacob, and he called him Jacob twice. Thoroughly, didn't he? And Jacob did not say, hold on now, I've outgrew that name. I'm Israel now, you said so. I'm going to quote your words, but you don't call me that no more. No, he didn't. He said, here am I. Go right. That's a good place to start, isn't it? We're worms. He's all. We're grass. Behold your God. That's God speaking to him, isn't it? And he said, I am God, verse 3. The God of thy father, fear not. If I, I wish the Lord makes sinners. They're going to have needs, and they're going to be scared to death when they see what they are before a thrice holy God. And then he'll speak to them, fear not, fear not. If I thought of this too. If we have no comfort, if the Lord's worked in us, but we don't have any comfort, and the Lord's worked from us, but we don't hear his word, we don't feel him guiding us, and he's, he's hid his face, it seems like his mercies are clean gone forever. It's most common in us that we're not by Christ the well. That we're not humbled in knowing that we're just sorry sons of Jacob and that God's God. We've got the wrong mind in us. We've got the wrong spirit in us. We're relying on faith, our faith. We're relying on experiences. We're relying on understanding or knowledge or puffed upness or something and not being close to where Christ is and bowing to his feet and being by him waiting on a word from him. I don't fuck the Lord's speaking with me. Well, go to his feet. <laughs> go to his feet. When we come because of Christ, we come to that throne of grace because he's the means, he's the way, his life, because of his faith, the Lord speaks a word of comfort to our hearts. What's he say? Fear not. You're going to have to be scared before you get told fear not. You get that? <laughs> To be saved from your sins. To be saved from something. Lord God, let us get scared before he says, fear not. But he'll speak that to us. Verse 3, and he said, I am God, the God of thy father. Fear not to go down into Egypt. For I will there make of thee a great nation. You go down to where Joseph is. Get you down. The Lord says that over and over and over <laughs> Go down. You're going to get humbled. All the way down to where? Where Joseph is. All the way down to where Christ is. Turn on Philippians 2. Philippians 2. I hope we see too this. The God changes not. Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Philippians 2, verse 4. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Let this mind be in you. That, that's, that's the whole of me. That's not just, well, you think about this little tiny thing. Oh, this is a, the, the thought corner, <laughs> uh, something to ponder on. Let this be the totality of you is what this word means. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. Joseph didn't, he just said, okay. He went down in that pit, he got sold. He went down in that prison, he went and had to learn a new language, had to get a new name. Okay. 
Lord humbled himself. He was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Our old brother Bill Clark, and who knows what he was living through that week, and it's a right thing, and I understand it as a child of God. Uh, somebody said, what should we be doing? He said, believe. He's probably wore out traveling all them countries. He said, believe Christ and do what you want. <laughs> Trust in the Lord knowing we want to serve him and honor him, not bring reproach on this gospel and not be mean to everybody around us. Another faithful pastor friend of mine said this too. He said, he's heard that. And uh, he said, but why don't you believe Christ and then do what he says? The Lord tells me how to raise children. He doesn't say that if I do that, God's going to save them all and they're all going to be doctors and have wonderful grandbabies in my house. No, but he tells me how to raise them. That's what I'm going to do. Put them under the sound of the gospel. Command your house. Make them. As long as you're underneath my roof, you're going to be here at this well every time I'm here, if I can. You're humanly possible. So it's going to happen. He was obedient even unto death, even the death of the cross. What motivation do we need? Christ died for us. He, he was forsaken because he was for us. What a thought for it all. For me, while I was yet in my sins. Mm. Back to Genesis 46. Verse 4. I will go, this is still the Lord speaking to Jacob. I will go down with thee into Egypt, and I will surely bring thee up again. He said, I will. I will. He said, fear not. I will. That's, that's a lot, isn't it? And in a lot of places. I want to remember his words. I want to remember the I wills of the Lord. I know that, I got an article there in both too, but don't, we don't preach from songs from hymns. I don't, we don't get our doctrine from songs, but that, what, what we believe will drive what we write to sing, won't it? But <clears throat> a feller of old wrote this, How firm a foundation, ye saints of the Lord, is laid for your faith in his excellent word. Laid in his word right here is for our faith. It's here for us to believe. You get that? He had a good handle on this. What more can he say than to you he hath said? I want more comfort. Why? Because I don't believe what's written right there. That's the truth. I want more assurance. Read his word. See what he will do. He underscore his shalls. Go read those Ten Commandments and, and underline them shalls. It's going to happen. For his people, it's going to happen. You ain't going to have no other gods but me. <laughs> you ain't never going to steal nothing. You ain't never going to kill nobody because you're going to be in him. You get that? Look on his head. He said, what more to you he can say than to you? what he said? Who's he talking to? To you who for refuge to Jesus hath fled. I'm in a storm and I have to have him. And we run to him and we follow him. Isn't it? The next verse in that hymn is just basically quoting Isaiah 41. Fear thou not. Fear not. For I am with thee. Be not dismayed, for I am thy God. I will strengthen thee. Yea, I will help thee. Yea, I will uphold thee with the right hand of my righteousness. I'm going to keep you by Christ. 
That's what he's saying. I'm with you. I'm for you. I will not leave you nor forsake you. Now, get to getting. Get down to Egypt. I'm going to make a nation out of you. He says, you go serve me. That's a command and the means to accomplish that command. And I will also surely bring thee up again. Both in this life, I'm going to lift you up. And we gather by this well, we're going to get lifted up, Lord willing, uh, Wednesday and twice on Sundays, ain't we? And then throughout the week as we dwell on these things, go back and listen to old messages. And I say, I, you know what? I was kind of sleepy through that one. I need to listen to this again for my pastor. I'm going to sit down and get the sermon notes and go through it, and, and I'm going to get a good handle on it. We get lifted up again in this life, but the Lord says, you go serve me. My will is going to be done. And then when this race is run, when this fight has been accomplished, it's over, I'm going to bring you home. I'm going to bring you up again in the resurrection. Master told us, he said, For whosoever exalteth himself will be abased, but he that humbleth himself shall be exalted. This may be a trial for Jacob. That's a long journey. It's only seven verses, but it's long and probably hard. What's going to be the end state of this trial for Jacob? If you're in heavy woes, before we go feeling sorry for ourselves, I, I have the biggest balloons and water slides and everything up my pity, at my pity parties. <laughs> I thought the biggest pity party there is for me. But if the Lord sent me a hard, heavy trial, what's the end state? Verse 4. I will go down with thee to Egypt, and I will also surely bring thee up again. And Joseph, remember who that is? Shall put his hand upon thine eyes. Why did he say that? So he could fulfill the scriptures a few millennia later, a few hundred years later, a thousand years later. Look over Matthew 20. There's a lot of places we could look, look at for this, but one came to mind. I imagine, I imagine that Jacob was eager to see Joseph, wasn't he? He'd heard this thing. He said, it's enough. He went and thanked the Lord, but he hadn't seen him yet. Matthew 20, verse 29. And as they departed from Jericho, a great multitude followed him. And behold, two blind men sitting by the wayside. And when they heard, what's that verb? They heard. It means somebody told them. Who? Unnamed. And I'm thankful for that. But when they heard that Jesus passed by, they cried out, saying, Have mercy on us, O Lord, thou son of David. And the multitude rebuked them because they should hold their peace. I don't, I don't want to rebuke nobody. I don't want to be a stumbling stone for somebody coming to Christ. I don't. But thankfully, I can't undo what the Lord wills. But they cried the more saying, Have mercy on us, O Lord, thou son of David. And Jesus stood still and called them and said, What will that I shall do unto you? And they said unto him, Lord, that our eyes may be opened. So Jesus had compassion on them, and he touched their eyes. He put his hand on their eyes, and immediately their eyes received sight, and they followed him. What was the first thing they saw whenever God opened their eyes? Christ. The first time we really have our true eyes, <laughs> the Lord's give us eyes to see him in this, right? When we shed this body of death and we're brought up again, 
and this life's over immediately is to be with him. What's the first face we're going to see? Not somebody at some pearly gates. That's hogwash. That's religion. I'm going to see my redeemer. I'm going to see him face to face right then. Why in the world would I be afraid to die? Why would I be mad that the Lord took somebody that was a believer away from me? I'd be That's wonderful. Good. I'm going to miss them. <laughs> that's just me being sorry for myself. That, all that hard journey, all that trial. And that's the little trials we have, the big trials that we have. If you're his, he's going to show you Christ in this. We're, we're, we're nothing. We need him. He's everything. Some aspect of that diamond, it's going to be him. I don't want to shirk the blessings that's inside those trials, do you? And it's my prayer that the Lord would command people to get down. That he would humble them and Christ would touch them in their eyes after they've heard and he'd open them and the first thing they saw and the only thing they saw was him. And then, there's a verb, you followed him. <laughs> Stick with him. He's a faithful shepherd. He keeps his sheep. He won't lose one. He makes them follow him. Well, if I can't walk, he'll send wagons to put you in to bring. You see? See that? Back in my text, and we'll close. Genesis 46. Verse 4. I will go down with thee into Egypt, and I will also surely bring thee up again. And Joseph shall put his hands hand upon thine eyes. And Jacob rose up from Beersheba, and the sons of Israel carried Jacob, their father, and their little ones, and their wives, in the wagons which Pharaoh had sent to carry him. And they took their cattle and their goods, which they had gotten in the land of Canaan, and came to Egypt, Jacob, and all his seed with him, his sons and his sons' sons with him, his daughters and his sons' daughters, and all his seed brought he with him to Egypt. Why did he bring all that stuff from Canaan and Egypt? Everything I have, it's Christ's, right? Bring it to him. I, I structured this right. I think, I pray so. But I, I did this on purpose. If your car's broke down, go to the Lord. If your family's broke down, go to the Lord. If your body's broke down, go to the Lord. If your spirit's brought down low, go to the Lord. Because that's where we dwell a lot of the times, right? Now, I'm gonna, I want you to remember... What's, what's the sacrifice of our lips? Thank you. Thank you. When your car's running good or it's broke, thank you. When the family's blessed or broken, thank you. When my back's feeling real good or it's hurting, thank you. Take it to him. When my spirit's lifted or my spirit's brought down, thank him. Go to him. Go to the Lord. That's a good thing. That's a long journey. That's a hard journey. It don't quit till we go home, do we? You'll keep lots of bumps in that road. <laughs> Let's pray together. Father, thank you for this word you've given us. There's times we feel like we're on a long, long, hard road, Lord. Make us thankful. Give us a joyful, cheerful spirit. Melt our hearts. Drive out our unbelief. and Make us remember your words and what you will do and what you shall do. Thank you for your word, Lord. Thank you for the faith you've given us to believe it. Thank you for Christ. Because of him. Amen. All right, brethren.